So um, as you can see, I'm a little bit under the weather, so um, uh, I think we'll be okay. As long as, you know, I don't get too close to you and start walking the aisles or things like that, I think you'll, you'll be okay. But I am a little under the weather, and so it's made my mind a little bit fuzzy. But um, regardless, I still want to bring my best uh, to Sunday. I want to do my best for Jesus. I want to give you guys my best for my heart as, as, as far as preaching. So I, I think we'll be okay. Uh, I do want you to take a look at the announcements, all right, because there's some important things going on, especially today, all right. Um, there is an information luncheon for some of the mission trips that are going on in uh, this year. And um, things are a little bit different because we do have a, well, we are, uh, we're probably going to have one of the two trips at least to, to Shaman, where Luke and Amy are. So um, if you're interested in missions in, in any capacity, definitely go to the uh, meeting today, all right? And then also your, for taxes purposes, that's important, right? Get your, get your money back. And your church contribution forms for 2017 are in the lobby, so you can meet with our treasurer there and get your contribution forms. All right, sound good? Sound good? Okay, awesome. All right, let's uh, turn to Romans chapter 7. Turn your Bibles to Romans chapter 7. <clears throat> and uh, we're, we're coming back now to Romans. If you remember, we were actually in a series in the book of Romans. And uh, it's been probably about seven weeks, all right? So we probably needed a little bit of a review. Um, but you can also always go back online, and we have all the sermons there as well, so um, you can get caught up as well. But uh, let me give you a 20-second review, all right? A 20-second review of the book of Romans. All right, so basically Paul comes out and basically says, you know what, no one's perfect. And we're like, yeah, we know that, right? No one's perfect. In fact, not, as, not only are just no one's perfect, but we have this sin problem. And that everyone has. And we're like, yeah, we can see that. I mean, the reason that our world has so many problems and the world, the reason that we can't even do the right things that we want to do and um, the reason that the world is so much in conflict and the reason that we just can't seem to figure out how to have peace with each other is because of this thing called sin. And it affects everyone. And not only is it something that's in us that breaks us, but it's also a force that's also in this world that breaks structures and education and academia and healthcare and the world. It's just sin just invades every part and just corrupts everything. So the great problem in our world is not another person. The greatest problem in the world is not a person that you can identify as your enemy. But the greatest problem in this world is sin. And so Paul then, of course, uh, again, of, of course, relays the, the solution to this is that through the atoning, through the justifying death of Jesus Christ, are our sins atoned for. And so now we can consider ourselves dead to sin, that sin doesn't have to rule over us, but alive to God. And therefore, sin is not our master. And that's kind of where, that's all the way up to chapter 6. And where we kind of left off was this, was that, all right, as a Christian, in my personal experience, I know when you tell me that sin is not my master, that sin, uh, you know, I'm, I'm no longer a slave to sin, but I still sin. And I still have this issue, and I still have these images uh, from my old life. I still have these patterns of negative thoughts or insecurities and things that, that are from my old life, these destructive habits that continue to influence me in my new life. And so what do I need to do now, Jesus? What do I need to do now, Paul? What's the next step? What are the new set of rules for the new set of life that, I've now, that I'm now entering into as a Christian? And it's at this point in Romans where Paul kind of slams on the brake and says, okay, wait a minute. This whole 
following Jesus thing is a lot more radical and a lot more transformative than you ever thought. And what it requires is not a new set of laws, not a new set of rules, but it actually requires a new set of thinking, a whole new way of thinking, and a whole new way that you interact with God. And it's something new. So Paul says it's something that we need to learn. Uh, this is the way Paul put it in Romans chapter 6, verse 17. He says, but thanks be to God that though you used to be slaves to sin, right? This is your old life. He's saying now there's something new. You have come to obey from your heart. He said there's an inside job written on your hearts. It's not external like the law. You have come to obey from your heart the pattern of teaching that has now claimed your allegiance. And Paul's going to expand on that a little bit more, what that means. In chapter 7, he says it in this way. He says, we serve in the new way of the spirit, not in the old way of the written code. When he says written code, he's referring to Old Testament law, right? Now, this is getting pretty theological in chapter 7. And and so, because Paul can be confusing at times, let me just summarize what Paul is saying about the Christian life, especially when it comes to this aspect of how do we overcome sin in our life? This is overcoming sin part two. Seven weeks ago, I know, it's a long time ago, was part one, all right? We had to take a break in between, wanted to celebrate Christmas. But Romans chapter seven, Paul's making this argument, this, that to live in the new way of the spirit, you must divorce yourself from the old law mindset, okay? And we'll get into this, but this is, this is really important. <clears throat> to live in the new way of the Spirit of God, what God, how he died for you, what, the, the new way that he wants to, to breathe in life in your bodies, is you have to divorce yourself from the old law mindset. Now, as we get into this, I just want you to know that this is so important for us. This is so important for us as believers. And I hope and pray that this will be so freeing for many of you. Because I know a lot of Christians, they're just trapped in the old law mindset. There's a lot of good, well-meaning, well-intentioned people, but they're trapped in an old law mindset. I get trapped it from time to time because it's so easy to get caught up into the old law mindset. Now, what is the old law mindset? The old law mindset is this, is that somehow that I will justify myself that I will do things to make myself feel right about myself, that I by myself, through my own works and through my own power and through my own actions, I will make myself righteous and just. Now, I'll kind of tease this out. I know it's like, might be like, mm, what are you talking about? Now, remember what I said? I told you about how religion works. I told you kind of like four or five points about how religions work. All world religions, they basically work the same way. They work like this. You're given a set of laws, given a set of rules. Here they are, number one. That's where they are. And then number two is you have to work really hard at following them. You have to do it right. You have to get it right. And if you do those things, you're good with God. Then number three, if you mess up, if you don't follow the rules, if you didn't obey God, then you feel horrible about yourself and you repent. You try to figure out a way to make a, make a way back. And so you, number four, you try harder. You work your way back into God's good graces. But if you don't do the work, there's an eternal, like, uh uh-oh. All right, that's just kind of how all world religions work. And here's the thing, is that if you can do part two really well, part two is like, I could work my way, I follow all the rules, and I'll be in God's good graces. 
If you do number two really well, you'll, you might slip a little bit here and there, and you say, well, nobody's perfect, or you'll take the kind of rules and kind of dumb them down a little bit just to, so you can meet the requirements, and you can say, well, I'm pretty good. I'm right with God because I did these things. I'm right with God. At the same time, there's some of you where it's like, it's really hard to follow the rules. It's really hard to obey. And then because you mess up, you feel so, so guilty that you don't even want to try anymore. You say, well, I can't do this Christian thing. I'm just not a good Christian. I can't do this. And so I condemn myself. And so Paul says, this whole way that you relate to God by following the rules, whatever rules you've got, that this whole way, you need to trash it. You need to divorce yourself from it. Look what he says in verse 1, chapter 7, verse 1. He says, don't you know, brothers and sisters, he's going to talk about the law, for I'm speaking to those who know the law, that the law has authority over someone only as long as that person lives. What are you talking about, Paul? Let me give you an example. He says, by law, a married woman is bound to her husband as long as he is alive. But if her husband dies, she is released from the law that binds her to him. So then, if she has sexual relations with another man while her husband is still alive, she is called an adulteress. Right. If two people are married, right, and someone has, you're married and you're married and you have sex with someone else, yeah, you're an adulteress. But, he says, if, because you're under, that's, that's the rules of marriage, right? But if her husband dies, she is released from that law, and she is not an adulteress if she marries another man. Paul's just giving an example there. So, my brothers and sisters, you also, here it is. He says, you, he's just giving an illustration. He says, so you also died to the law. So we talked about before that we're dead to sin, alive to God, but he says, now also you're dead to the law. We'll get to this. We'll, we'll, we'll clear this up, all right? Through the body of Christ, that you might belong to another, to him who was raised from the dead, in order that we might bear fruit for God. So Paul's saying, especially for the Jews, that this thing that you, you used to be under, the law, the prophets, the Ten Commandments, that this way of relating to God by knowing exactly what I can and cannot do, having this law for yourself, you are, you've been divorced from that. You're divorced from that, and now you're going to be married to another, which is Christ. Now, Paul is talking in this letter to a Jewish and to a Gentile audience. But imagine, you've got to imagine, if you're Jewish, and you have all these, you know, thousands of years of history and, and uh, the, the Old Testament, and if you're Jewish, and Paul is saying in Christ now that you're divorced from the law, the Ten Commandments and everything, that you're not, a, you're not under that system anymore. There might like have been an audible gasp in the room when this was read aloud in the church. Because you're like saying, but what? Everything that, you know, we learned as a kid, you're saying we have to divorce ourselves. We're divorced from that. We have to abandon that because now that we are in Christ, that seems crazy. In fact, when you read the other books of the Bible, especially like Colossians and Galatians, some of you know this who study the Bible, this is actually what Paul is arguing against because there's these people uh, in the Mediterranean called Judaizers, and they were saying in order to be a good Christian, you have to do both. You have to worship Christ and you need to obey the law. And Paul says, no, 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 no. There's a brand new way of living, and it's just in Christ. Now, Paul explains, why, why is it that we have, to, we have to abandon this thing called the law? Now, let me go one step deeper. Okay, not going to get too much in the weeds, but one step deeper. But when Paul talks about the law, he's talking about two things. He's talking about, yes, the Old Testament and its commands. 
That's one thing. But if you notice, in the New Testament, it's a lowercase l. It's a lowercase l. And this is a uh, interpreters, the, the people who, who are you know, writing the Bible here in English, who are interpreting it, you know, translating it to, to, from, uh, from Greek. It's their interpretation. <clears throat> okay, it's the same word. Big L could, big L refers to the Old Testament. Small L could refer to both the Old Testament, but it also refers to any type of law that you have. If you're a Greek and you come in your Greek system, you're coming from that religion, that's a law for you too as well. All right? So this applies to any type of law. And so Paul says, whatever law that you're coming from, even if you're not a Christian, you're not a believer, you live your life by a set of rules, a set of laws. And sometimes you can't even obey, obey those, right? And so Paul says, let me explain to you why you need to divorce yourself from this idea of relating to God or trying to get yourself right by the system of rules and laws. He says this, nevertheless, I would not have known what sin was had it not been for the law. All right, so what do you mean? Give me this example. He says, he says, I would not have known what sin was, would have understood sin, wouldn't have, wouldn't have recognized sin in my own life had it not been for the law. Give me this example. Okay, so he gives us an example. Four, I would not have known what coveting really was if the law had not said, you shall not covet. But sin Seizing the opportunity afforded by the commandment produced in me every kind of coveting. This is important. He says this. So, so what you're saying, Paul, is this, is that once you were told what not to do, don't covet, it made you want to do it? Yeah, that's what he's saying. For apart from the law, sin was dead. Once I was alive, apart from the law. But when the commandment came, when someone told me, like, don't do this, sin sprang to life, and I died. Verse 10, I found that the very commandment that was intended to bring life actually brought death. So he's saying the commandment, God's law, which is good, but when someone told me, you know, do this, you know, do that, I, it's like I wanted to do the opposite. That's what he's saying. And then you would ask, you know, why did God give us the law then? And Paul says, look, God is not at fault here, but rather sin. Verse 11, for sin seizing the opportunity afforded by the commandment, deceived me, and through the commandment, put me to death. So then, the law is holy, and the commandment is holy, and the commandment is holy, righteous and good. All right, now, I know some of you might be like a little bit in the weeds there. Let me just, let me just try to summarize what Paul's saying. Paul is saying that the law, the Old Testament, and, and, and the Word of God, it's good. But our hearts are so corrupt. And sin is such a powerful corrupting force that once you hear the law, there's going to be a part of you that just wants to rebel and do the opposite. That once you hear it of what the good thing is to do, there's a part of you that just wants to do the opposite. And isn't that in us? Right? I, I think that's just something in us. Um, you know, we have teachers, you have parents, um, someone else in authority, tells us the right thing to do. And we know it's the right thing to do, but we just do the opposite. You know, I want to do what I want to do. You're not the boss of me. Um, you know, I'll say what I want to say. I'll believe what I want to believe. I know there's a um, true story. There's a person who came to church one morning, and they're very distraught. They're very distraught. And they just caught me at the end of the, at the uh, outside, and they're like, Pastor Roy, 
I was reading this Bible verse last night, and it said, <clears throat> the one, you know, unpardonable sin is to blaspheme the Holy Spirit. And they said, right when I read that word, that do not blaspheme the Holy Spirit, in my mind, I cursed the Holy Spirit. Right after I read that. And they're wondering, like, am I okay? Like, am I, you know? <laughs> and I'm like, calm down. Calm down. You're okay. That's not what it means, all right? And I had to explain to her, you know, what that means. It's about denying Christ. It's not about, you know, cursing the Holy Spirit. You're, you're okay. But, but have you had that experience before? Where, you know, someone tells you one thing to do, but then you, in the next, you know, decision, next action, you do the exact opposite. And like, parents, we all know this, right? Every parent since the beginning of time, you know, has, has said this to their son, their, their little kid. Don't play with the stove, right? I mean, I still remember when my parents, when my mom and mom told me, don't play with the stove, okay? But I also remember this, and the reason why it's so vivid in my mind is because I remember when my mom told me not to play with the stove, it made me say, well, I, now I must play with the stove. <laughs> I mean, it just made, in my mind, that's just what happened. It was like, don't play with the stove. Oh, now I know I got to play with the stove, right? And I was a latchkey kid during that time. I don't, I don't know if you guys know what latchkey kids are, but latchkey kids are basically, you're on your own. You know, you could be at elementary school, but, you know, you're walking to school and walking back from school, and you go home, and, you know, there's no lunch waiting for you. There's no after-school snack waiting for you. You got to kind of fend for yourself, okay? There's bullies in the streets and all that kind of stuff like that. You got to, you know, watch out. So I got home, and I remember, you know, mom says, you know, don't play with the stove. I'm like, the stove is cool. You know, you're at elementary school. The stove is cool. And, you know, I turned it on, and we had those, you know, the, the spiral, you know, electrical elements, right, you know, and so waited for it to get hot. And, um, and then I took a, a paper towel, because, I mean, kid, you just know what to do, right, you know? Took a paper towel, put it on that stove element, you know, and then poof, I mean, just, it just burst in the flames and just scared the Jesus out of me, you know? I mean, but I was like, man, that's cool. And then, of course, you know, I didn't get caught, hee <laughs> right, you know? Got away with it, right? It's not that bad, right? Um, <clears throat> got away with it. It wasn't that bad. And from there, when I got older, and I, I love to play with fire. Anyone you like to play with fire when you're juvenile, right? Love to play with Yeah, all right. I got some heads nodding. Yeah. WD-40. Any guys? WD-40 with the lighter fluid. Awesome. So fun. I love playing with fire. We used to blow up WD-40 cans, paint cans, anything that we could find that we blew up. We just try to do it. Then as an electrical engineer for the Navy, I got to design missiles, blew up stuff, got paid for it. Sin will take you far. Let me tell you that. Sin <laughs> will take you really far. But isn't that it, right? I mean, it, that's just in us. Like, we, we know that we're, we're told something to do. And we know that that command or that instruction is a good instruction, is something good. But there's something in us that just wants to do the opposite because we were told what to do. That's in me. That's in you. And that's sin. And so Paul says, look, when it comes to this idea of overcoming sin, if Paul were to just give you, if the Bible, if, the Bible, if, if Scripture were to, were, were to give you, just, I, I, if this were just filled with a whole bunch of, you know, number one, do this, number two, this, do this, we would just look at this and be like, what? I'm just going to do the opposite. See, that's what Paul's saying. If, that, if we're going to live by the law, it does not work. Because whenever you hear a law and read a law, you know, do not lust after, you know, um, <clears throat> do not commit adultery, 
Stop lying, whatever like this. We know those things are right. We know those things are good. I mean, are not good. We know we shouldn't do those things. But when you hear, don't do that, there's a part of it that says, I want to do that. And so living and having a relationship with God, trying to overcome sin based on law does not work. That's what Paul's saying. So you need to divorce yourself from this idea of living life and relating to God through simply the law. And in the old law mindset, think about this, in the old law mindset, we're constantly trying to get and stay right with God. Isn't that how you feel sometimes? You ever hear people say like this, um, yeah, things have been pretty bad. Been watching stuff I'm not supposed to watch, been doing things I'm not supposed to do, <clears throat> been saying things I'm not supposed to say, and uh, I need to get right with God. And so when you hear people say, I need to get right with God, it's this, you, you know what's going on now. Like when they're determined to get right with God, they have this 10-week self-improvement program, right? And they have all these laws, and they have all these things they're going to do. I'm going to do my Bible study every day, you know, every, you know, I'm going to pray, you know, for everything. And I'm gonna, they have all these, they've, they've now created all these set of laws, everything that they're going to do to get their self-righteousness, to get their righteousness back so that we can get back into God's good graces, and if we get, and, and, I, and those things are, I think they come from like a good heart in a way. They do. But if we would get to the bottom of that, of what's motivating all of that, when you try to say that, when you say it, it's all in that phrase, I'm trying to get right with God. I'm trying to be righteous with God. I'm trying to get my own righteousness by the things that I do. And in that way, when I get my own righteousness, then God will receive me. Then God will accept me. It's about me. It's about my own pride. And the reason that you need to trash that mindset is because in Christ, you are already righteous. Mind blown. We always want to get right with God. Why are you trying to get right with God when you're already right with God? Boom. That's it right there. That's the old mindset. Why do we keep trying to justify ourselves when we are already justified in Christ? That's why some of you, you don't even follow God anymore. You're a Christian at one point, <clears throat> and you say, I don't want to be a Christian anymore. And I, I, I understand, especially if, if, you're, if you have a law-based mindset. You know why? Because sometimes, and pastors are guilty of this as well, sometimes we can preach and we can teach from this vantage point and say, you need to do this, you need to do that, you know, Bible study every day, and you need to do this, and you need to pray on this, and you need to give 10% and then more, and then we, we have all these, law, all these rules that we lay, lay on people. I need to be spiritual, and I need to be loving, I need to be forgiving, I need all these things, right? And they feel like laws. They're like, man, I can't even discipline myself. I can't even control myself. You want me to do all this other stuff? Forget that. I'm already a failure. I'm a bad Christian. I'm a bad Christian. So I'm not even going to try anymore. See, that's when religion becomes law. And instead of it being life-giving, it's life-defeating. It takes all the life out of you. 
And Paul says this way of, of understanding life in Christ as a rule and set of laws for yourself, it needs to be thrown in the trash. You've died to it. He said there's a new way to walk in the newness of the spirit in your heart. So important to know this is that Jesus Christ, he did not come to establish religion. Jesus did not come to establish to start a new religion. Jesus came to restore a broken relationship. That's what he came for. And so instead of Jesus coming and giving us a new set of laws, he gave us the Holy Spirit to live in us that guides us into the way and the truth and the life. And when it comes to overcoming sin, the reason to overcome sin in your life is not to become more righteous or to become more holy. That's not the first thing. It's actually to become more loving. And that's way different from trying to be righteous because you can't. Only God has already made you righteous if you've received him. And by the way, if you've never read the Bible before, <clears throat> um, when I started reading, I, w I w did not grow up in a Christian home. And when my friend told me that I needed to read the Bible for myself to understand who God was, you know, try to get an understanding of God was for, for yourself instead of what other people say. When I started reading, I started reading from the very beginning of the New Testament from Matthew and read all the way through. <clears throat> My number one, like, shock and surprise about Scripture was that, honestly, I thought that the Bible was a set of rules. I, I was expecting bullet point number one. I've never read the Bible before. I've never opened it before. But just my assumption from seeing other Christians— and just my assumption of just how life goes, like it's just a rule book of what to do and what not to do and how to stay in your lane. What's so, what was so surprising and so freeing and so, I don't know, beautiful was that, man, when you read the Bible, it's just, it's, it's story. It's narrative. And in those stories and in those narratives, I mean, what do you do when you read story and narrative? It's an invitation to put yourself in that story. It's an invitation to put you in that narrative to see how does that affect you? What does it speak to, how does it speak to you? Not a book of rules, a, a, you know, that it's there to confine you, but a story that captures you, a story that inspires you, a story that renews you, and a story that humbles you into seeing that the most loving person that there ever was is God, is Jesus Christ. And so when it comes to this idea of overcoming sin, all right, going to the place of where it's, it's a law book is not the first place to go. And the reason to overcome sin is not so that you become more and more, 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 more righteous. It's to be more loving. Let me just give an example. Because <clears throat> um, this is a common one, especially just my own experience, and I know for parents as well. Parenting is one of the most difficult jobs in the world, right? And the reason why parenting is one of the most difficult jobs in the world is because, number one, you don't know what you're doing, all right? Okay? <laughs> That's number one. But number two, the reason why is because it's just hard to think about another person. It's just hard to have that patience, that loving patience that you need to deal with a child at whatever age they might be, right? 
And so, for example, for me, sometimes I would be teaching either Mia or Mason. I'm trying to teach them something, whether it's math or it's their, their English or something like that. And it was so easy that I would just get so angry. I'd get so frustrated. Like, don't you understand this? This makes so much sense to me. Why does it make sense to you, right? And just the, one of the big things about parents, we lose our patience with our kids so often, right? <clears throat> and as a Christian, this would be the old way law thinking is this. Man, I blew it with my kids, you know? I really blew it. Really said stuff I shouldn't have said, and um, um, you know um, they're going to need a lot of counseling. You know when they grow older, you know, uh, you know I just really blew it with my kids, and uh, you know I said some things I shouldn't have said, and kind of lost it and things like that. And the old way of law of thinking would be like, okay, I gotta, I've got to figure out how to gain my patience and self control back. And so I might read a book, might look at scripture. And on my write down, here's like, you know, five things that I need to do, right? I need to pray more. I need to read the Bible more. I need to um, whatever, whatever it is that, that you got going on. And the idea is that I'm going to, and, and so when you're, the next time you're going to tutor your kid or something like that, you're like, okay, I'm going to be patient. I'm going to be kind in myself. I will work it out so that I can do this. You know, you're straining so hard to be patient, straining so hard to be kind, straining so hard to be loving. And, and then we go, and they're like, you know, what's five plus three? You know, I don't know, seven, eight, nine, two. I, you know, we're like, wow, what's wrong with you? You know, and we lose it, and we lose it. And the cycle, oh, I messed up again. It repeats itself, okay? Now, in, in the old law way of thinking, what are you trying to do? I mean, really, seriously. I mean, you need to think about this. When you're trying to be, like, really patient with your kid, like, you're straining, like, I need to get this right. I need to do this right. I need to overcome this sin or whatever it is, that thing. What are you trying to, what are you really trying to do at the bottom of your heart? If you would be honest, you're just trying to make yourself right. You're on this self-improvement program. You're on this self-righteousness program. That's what you're doing. And you're not even really thinking so much about your child. You're really thinking just about you. I'm going to defeat this thing. I'm going to overcome this sin. Me, myself, I, we're going to do it with God. God's going to help me too. I mean, it gets really, it's get, it gets really clotted. And all of a sudden, there's this strain, like, I'm going to defeat this. And then, boom, you fail, and you're like, wondering where, where to go. What if, in the new way of the Spirit, Instead of thinking about your own righteousness, because guess what? Again, you are already right with God. When he sees you, he already sees the righteousness of God. What if that wasn't your goal of getting it right? What if in the new way of walking in the Spirit, what if the new way was love? You're not even thinking about yourself. What if the new way was love, God's love for your child? God's love for you. What have you thought about that instead? If you approach it that way, it would be a brand new way of approaching things. And in that sense of being filled with God's love, his spirit, you might actually sense something of God's peace in you. That's not going to be this hard thing that I strain, but it's this thing where I allow the fruit of the Spirit, and the first one is love, to be born and to be given through me. It's a very different way of approaching 
And Paul says, look, I want you to be free instead of being confined by the law. And Paul, he gives this perfect description of what the Christian life is like when you're not filled with the Spirit of God. This is the description of what the Christian life is like without the Spirit of God. This is what he says in verse 14. He says, we know that the law is spiritual, okay? But I am unspiritual, sold as a slave to sin. I do not understand what I do. He says, I can't figure myself out. For what I want to do, I do not do. But what I hate, I do. There's some parenting in there sometimes too, right? Because parents, these things that we don't want to do, don't, things that we don't, ways that we don't want to act with our kids, we know it's wrong, what I hate, but those are things that I do. Verse 16, and if I do what I do not want to do, I agree that the law is good. In other words, I know that that was wrong. Verse 17, as it is, it is no longer I myself who do it, but it is sin living in me. That means I'm being controlled by something else other than what, what I should be controlled by. Verse 18, for I know that the good itself does not dwell in me. That is my sinful nature. Amen. That's true. For I have the desire to do what is good, but I cannot carry it out. That's the frustration, right? I know what the right thing is to do, but I cannot carry it out. For I do not do the good I want to do, but the evil I do not want to do, this I keep on doing. Now, if I do what I do not want to do, it is no longer I do it, but it is sin living in me that does it. Then he kind of sums it up. Verse 21. This is the law. So I find this law at work. I want to do good. I know what the good is. I know what the rules are, but evil is right there with me. For in my inner being, I delight in God's law. I know God's law is right, but I see another law at work in me, waging war against the law of my mind and making me prisoner of the law of sin at work within me. What a wretched man I am. What a wretched man I am. And and this, you know, whether you're a believer whether you're a Christian or not, and if you're not a Christian, I'm so glad you're here. I'm so glad maybe you're exploring things. But this, this describes you. I already know that because I already know it describes me. <laughs> it describes the whole human condition of a person without the Spirit of God. It's like we know, we know the things that we should do. We know the things that we should be if, if we were more, a more righteous person, a more just person, a more loving person. But we do the very opposite. And when you're in that situation where you can't really even control yourself, think about that. You can't even control yourself because the good thing that you want to do, you do the opposite. The good thing that you want to do, you can't do. And the bad thing you don't want to do, you hate. That's what is what you do. Paul said, what a wretched, what a wretched man I am. What a wretched woman I am. What a wretched mother. What a wretched father I am. What a wretched son or what a wretched daughter I am. He says, who will rescue me from this body that is subject to death? You don't have to live in that. Paul says we're not supposed to be living in this way of of relating to God, relating uh, through the law. It is through verse 25. Thanks be to God who delivers me through Jesus Christ our Lord. It's God. It's the Spirit of God. And we don't have to relate to God. We don't have to relate to our sin through the law. It's rather to be spirit-filled. What does it mean to be spirit-filled? Let me give you a definition of what it means to be spirit-filled. To be spirit-filled is to know that God is present. 
To be spirit-filled is to know that God is present. It's just an awareness of God. That God has a good will. That God has a good agenda in the present. So wherever you are, you're in the car, you're at the boss, you know, you're at, the, you're, you're at work, um, you're at school. It's this awareness to be spirit-filled is awareness that God's always with you. God's always present. But not only is he just present just as in, you know, God's always with us. No, 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 no. It's more specific. God has an intention for you. God has an intention for this place. He has a will. He has an agenda in your present moment. And then the third thing is that the possibility of God breaking out into the present. That's where it becomes really fun. That's where it becomes, life becomes really interesting. That's when life becomes really adventurous because you never know what God wants to do, what his will is, what his agenda is through you. He wants to do something loving, though, and then the faith to follow. That's what it means. Now, when we talk about being spirit-filled, be led, be led by God's love, does it mean then, because if, if the law is saying, you know, uh, I need to do this, I need to do Bible study, I need to do prayer, I need to tithe, I need to do these things like this. If legalism is not what we want, <clears throat> and being led by the Spirit is what we want, does it mean that we should stop reading our Bibles every day, stop praying, stop tithing, stop coming to church, stop reading Old Testament law because all that doesn't mean that, right? It's all about our motivation. Anything can become a law to you. Anything can become law to you. Going to church, listening to a sermon, serving, you know, I don't want to do all this, you know. It's, it, all those things can become a law to you. So you have to always check your motivation. It's about staying in step with the Spirit. And if love is God's motivation, if love is the motivation, and the Spirit always wants to express itself in love, you have to ask the question, what does love look like? What does love look like? And if you ask that question, the answer is this. God is love. His word says that God is love, that Jesus is love. His word is love. And so if you want to see what love is like, if you want to experience what love is like, and if you want to kind of imitate in some ways of what is like, then it's here. It's here is where you see it. That's why you read. That's why you study. And that's, you pray, that's why you pray. Because you're infused and you're encouraged and you're inspired by the love of Christ. And you want more. And you want more. And that's why we read. That's why we pray. Not because it's a law to us. It's because it's love. It's because it's love. And we practice in the spirit how Jesus loved us. So let me just review real quick about overcoming sin. All right? Overcoming sin. First is that we need to solidify that identity, is that I'm dead to sin and alive to Christ. That's something that Christ has done for us, for our justification, for our atonement of sin. I'm dead to sin, I'm alive to God, and that sin is no longer my master. And then what we've talked about today, it's not about obeying the letter of the law, but it's about rather keeping in step with the Spirit. Okay, the Christian life is not about obeying the letter of the law, it's about keeping in step with the Spirit of God, following, right? And it's not about how much you can strain to produce obedience. It's about allowing the fruit of the Spirit to be produced in you. I'm going to talk about more about next week because that's a lot of, that can be confusing to people. How do you, there's a straining part. I know, I, I know the straining part. I'm not sure how. 
how do I let the Spirit of God, how do I let fruit be produced through me? Okay? We're going to talk about that more in depth next week. And then the last one is refuse to relate to God on the basis of law. Refuse to relate to God on the basis of law. Refuse to try to work yourself up to being worthy. And also refuse to condemn yourself because you're such a bad Christian. These two extremes are all about your ego and all about trying to be righteous and staying righteous. God has already declared you righteous. And that should free you. And you don't have to relate to God again on the basis of law. You are free. You're free to follow him. You're free to love others because the spirit of God is in each of you. All right, let's pray. Lord Jesus, thank you, Father, for this time we've had together this morning. Thank you for your spirit to be within us. God, I just want to thank you for your spirit to be in me. God, just being sick in my weakness. Um, But Father, I thank you, Father, for your faithfulness, Lord God, just towards me and just being able to speak today and just have the mindset. We just pray, I just praise you, Father. And I just pray, Father, that... um, Whatever my weakness here this morning in trying to give the word, I pray that you'll make up for everything else because I know that you're good and I know that you speak to hearts of people um, that really need you. And Lord, this morning, I really wanted to, um, I know your heart, Father, is to really, for your people to experience more freedom in their walk because it's just so much easier to have laws. It's just so much easier to be told what to do but um, you didn't come to do that because you know that if we live by the law, we're also become trapped by the law because it condemns us too often because we can't do even our own made-up laws, what we might think is right and wrong. We, we can't even do those things. We can't live up to our own standards. But thank you, Jesus, that you did not come to give us another law that traps us, but you came to give us the Spirit of Christ that frees us. And I know that some of us here are already on that kind of self-improvement program of whatever 10 things they need to do this week or 10 things they need to do better to be better in Christ or things like that. Not that those things are incredibly horrible or evil, but I pray that we would all come away today getting back to our underlying motivations. What is our motivation? Is it self-righteousness or is it love? If it's self-righteousness, then free us because we've already been declared righteous in Christ. And so we don't need to keep striving and straining in that way. It will not lead us to a place of victory. But if our motivation is the same motivation that you had, Father, which is love, which is love, that might free us to truly surrender more and more of our hearts, truly surrender every aspect of our lives to you so that the Spirit of God so that the Spirit of God might flow uh, through our hearts, that the Spirit of God might be the Lord and the King of our hearts, and that the fruit of the Spirit, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and oh my goodness, even self-control, might be birthed through us, through our words, 
through our character, through our relationships, through our prayers, through the ways that we relate with others. May the Spirit of God, may your fruit be born through us. In Christ's name we all pray. Amen. Amen, church. Let's all stand. Let's sing together.